Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Amen. Anybody come to worship Jesus today? Anybody thankful to be in the house? Amen. I thank the Lord certainly for salvation. If it was not for Jesus Christ, salvation would not even be possible. But I thank God for salvation. That, that is not just a cool song, uh, but that is theologically sound. I thank God for saving me. Psalm 103 says it best. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And that is what we come to do is to bless the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad to be with you guys. Uh, you guys look good. I hope y'all feeling good. Y'all skip brunch to come hang out today. So thank y'all for hanging, hanging out with us. Listen, I say this every week, but I, it's not that I don't mean it every week. It's just I really mean it today. We got a lot of work to do and a little bit of time to do it in. So grab your Bibles, if you will, or your devices and meet me in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be. Uh, I am glad to be back home. I was away last week. Uh, most of the week I was suffering for Jesus in 80 degree w- weather in Miami. It's horrible. It's, I mean, it's absolutely horrible. Uh, but I'm glad to be back home. I actually brought a little warm weather with us. So it's, it's, it's good to, uh, to, to be back home. I miss y'all, man. Every time I'm not here on a Sunday, I deeply miss you guys. I was preaching at a, a French church and it's called Miami Church, Pastor Greg Ingram. Uh, they're actually a few months older than us and they're just doing a phenomenal job. Miami is a hard place to reach. Uh, it's a lot of spiritual warfare that happens there and to see a church like engaging Miami is, it's amazing. And then annually, uh, Ty and I go down for a pastor's retreat in Miami. So we stayed the week there to gather with pastors around the country, really around the world and talk about, uh, what it means to, uh, to plant churches, what it means to be faithful to the neighborhood you're in, and just be equipped. And so I, I come back refreshed and come back excited, excited about Vision Sunday. Today we get to talk about um, our 2020 vision as a church and look in retrospect at how faithful God was in 2019. Um, that Let me kind of point you towards how we'll do today. It's always different when we do Vision Sundays. Our Vision Sunday, um, I, I don't believe in gathering as a body and not getting into the Word of God. And so what we'll do is we'll do half of our time will be in the Word of God, and then the other half of it, I'll point you, your directions to the screen, and then uh, I'll walk us through what our vision will look like for 2020. Is that all right? Don't check out on your boy. It might be a little bit more lengthy than it normally normally is, but y'all miss brunch, so y'all might as well hang out anyway. All right. Acts chapter two. Pick me up in verse 42. Two verses for your hearing. And they, meaning the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I don't have anything catchy today. I just simply want to preach from the topic entitled Vision Sunday 2020. Vision Sunday 2020. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, I am certainly anticipating a move from you. Today, I pray that we wouldn't just be good note takers, but we'd be good appliers. 
We take the word of God and apply it to our lives and pray that 2020 would be different for, for us spiritually, that we would grow. You, you have no um, uh, expectancy that we would stay the same. And so every year we should be growing to look more like your son if we've trusted in you. I thank you for the one that doesn't know you that came today. Maybe they saw social media or the friend brought them, whatever it is. Father, we thank you. you. Know how hard it is to come into a church atmosphere if we don't know and don't worship this one that we worship called Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you would do a work today, even in their hearts. Be with us for the remainder of our time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Vision Sunday 2020. Uh, I'm convinced that it's impossible for us as a local church to understand a vision for 2020 and understand the direction we are supposed to go if we don't first look at what the early church understood as the foundation of the church. In other words, it's impossible for us to move forward if we don't first look back. What are we looking back at? We're looking back at the starting of the church, which is Acts chapter 2. We're looking back at the commitment that they had to making disciples. We're looking back at the desire they had to be a part of the body. We're looking back at the commitment they had to the gospel message of Christ. And in Acts chapter 2, what you're going to see is not only what the church is, but what the church is not. In other words, in Acts chapter 2, nowhere in Acts chapter 2 will you see the church thriving simply off of music. The church isn't built on who has the best music. And I praise God for our worship team. They are amazing. They are gifted. They are committed. And I praise God for our worship team. But we don't build the church purely based on the worship team. That makes sense. I praise God for our children's ministry. We, we don't have that in, um, in third service. But our first two services, we do um, not really child care. We do children's ministry. We, we engage your kids with the gospel of Christ. So as you sit in here and get the word of God, your children are being engaged as well if you uh, drop them off in, in service one or two. But we don't build the church on who has the best children's ministry. We don't build the church on cool websites and cool logos and cool apps. And we don't build the church on cool social media we don't build the church on the charisma of the pastor. Uh, we don't build the church on uh, the wisdom of the elders. We build the church on one person and one person alone, Jesus Christ. And here's why that's important. Because if you start to build the church on other things, what happens when those things aren't as, as vital or as vibrant as they once were? What happens when the worship team is all horse? What happens when, when the worship team can't play any instruments and we're just left in here? See, Jesus Christ is always constant. He always remains the same. And so the, it's important that you understand that our church is built on Jesus. And I've prayed since the top of this year that we would be a healthy church. And I understand that a healthy church always focuses on Jesus. And that is exactly what the early church did. In fact, if I could lay a little foundation for you, Acts chapter two, we're parachuting into the end of Acts two. But if you read the entire chapter of Acts two, it's really the birthing of the church, meaning uh, the, the scriptures say in the top of Acts 2 that there are 120 disciples in the upper room and they're sitting in the upper room because Jesus said, stay here in Jerusalem until you have been empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit falls and uh, they, they all start speaking in unknown tongues. And it's so amazing as they're speaking in other tongues, the people outside hear the tongues and they say these people are drunk. And Peter stands up and says, now nah, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. That's not Sirach that they're drunk off of. That's the Holy Spirit they're drunk off of because you got to see something about Peter's approach. Peter does not say, Peter does not say they're not drunk. 
Peter says they're not drunk as you suppose. In other words, yeah, they drunk. They drunk off the Holy Spirit, though. And after he tells the crowd that they are not drunk, he then proceeds to preach. And he preaches. If you're taking notes, this is a good place to take notes. He preaches from Joel chapter two. He preaches from Psalm 16 and he preaches from Psalm 110. And at the end of his sermon, it was so powerful that verse 37 says that they were cut to their hearts. And then they started repenting and giving their life to the Lord. And by the time you get to uh, verse 41, the Bible says uh, that 3000 souls get added to the church. Can you imagine that? Imagine like look around the room. Imagine that we're all sitting in here and we're praising God and and, and revival takes place in such a way that 3000 people on the outside try to cram in here and say, I'm a part of the church. That's exactly what happened. 120 are sitting in the upper room and in in a moment they become a mega church. Now, here's my question. After 3000 souls get added to the church, to me, that's a discipleship nightmare. That's a structural nightmare. What what, what do we do with all these people? How do we engage them? How do we make sure that they are growing in their faith? And what the new the early church does is they begin to put structure in place. Verse 42 that we read today is them putting structure in place. So here's what we're going to do with our time. My short amount of time in this passage. We're going to look at what the early church devoted themselves to, because I believe that what the early church devoted themselves to is good enough for us to de- devote ourselves to. Does that mean, if, it, if it worked for the early church, why would it not work for us? And so our 2020 vision will be laid on the foundation of verse 42. Here it is. This is what they devoted themselves to. The apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then after verse 42, the rest of the chapter goes on to explain verse 42. The rest of the chapter shows us how they did it. So what we'll do today is we'll just work through all four of those and say, you know what? This is that's the best I got for y'all. Those four is what our church will commit and devote ourselves to in 2020. First, the apostles teaching. Did you see that in verse 42? That that simply means that the early church had a priority on teaching, but not just teaching anything. I'm not I'm not teaching for academic sake. I'm not teaching math. I'm not teaching history. I'm not I'm not a good history school teacher. Anyway, I'm teaching the gospel. And that's what Peter is saying, that the early church devoted themselves to what the apostles taught the early church. What you don't need in 2020 is my opinion. What you don't need in 2020 is health and wealth preaching. What you don't need in 2020 is self-help. Be a better you in 2020. Know what you need is the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which is what the apostles taught. And so they do, they had a priority on teaching the word of God. And I love this because that's going to be our focus, just like it was our focus in 2019. Just like it was our focus in 2018. We believe as a church that we grow best by understanding the word of God. This means that your personal devotion time ain't enough. I know I can understand God without anybody. And that's actually true. You hear from God the same way I hear from God. It ain't nothing like I don't have special access. We all got the same access. But the early church understood that if we came into the faith by Peter preaching, we should stay with Peter preaching. We should stay with the apostles laying out the gospel message of Christ. And so that's my hope and prayer for 2020. There is not a Sunday that you can come in here that you will not get the word of God. I promise you that. I promised it in 2019. 
Do you know that we had 153 services in this room in 2019? 153 services. And here's what I love. And this is where my delight and joy comes in that not one of those services did we have a gospel of Sunday. Not one service did we stand up here and be like, you know what? I didn't sermon prep this week. So therefore, we're just going to worship and go home. No, every week we open up the word of God because the early church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to the place where we desired the word of God like a baby desires a bottle? Do you know Peter says that? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he says, long like pure spiritual, for the pure spiritual milk of the word, like an infant longs for milk. Can you, have you ever seen an infant not eat? You're not agitated they are? You're not cranky and angry and they're crying and they're throwing a tantrum and they're screaming. Why? Because they need the bottle in order to grow. And wouldn't it be great if that was your disposition? I pray that 2020, you wouldn't go a day without getting in the word of God. Not a day. Not a, you know that feeling you leave your phone home. You're like, oh, my God, I left my phone home. What if we had that feeling when we didn't get in the word? Oh, my God, I didn't get in the word. Long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. And then Peter ends by saying so that you may grow. In other words, it's impossible for you to grow without digging into the word of God. Death to trying to just be a surface Christian. Forget that we did that in 2019 where we just skim read and we didn't dig deep. We didn't try to apply the word. We did one of those things where we close our eyes and go like this. And it's like, that's where I'm. No, 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 no. Have a plan. Get a devotional plan. Get some accountability and get in the word of God. You can grow. Be spiritually disciplined in 2020. So the early church said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching. I pray that 2020 will be filled with a strong pulpit. That, that our Bible studies, we would be faithful to digging into the word of God because I just believe that there's no other way to grow. So the first thing they devoted themselves to, y'all with me? The first thing they devoted themselves to according to verse 42 was the apostles teaching. The second thing they devoted themselves to was the fellowship. This word fellowship is unique. Matthew does not use this word. Mark does not use this word. Luke does not use this word when he wrote the gospel of Luke. John does not use this word when he wrote the gospel of John. This is the first time that this word fellowship, write this in your, in your Bibles or your notes. This is the first time that this word is used in the New Testament. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is so strategic in how he places it. Notice he doesn't place this word fellowship in chapter one of Acts. He places it in chapter two. It is almost as though Luke is saying it is impossible to really fulfill this type of fellowship without the Holy Spirit falling because the Holy Spirit didn't fall in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It didn't fall in Acts chapter one, but Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit falls on the church and now they're able to fulfill real fellowship, real fellowship. The the original language of fellowship is this word uh, is written in Greek. It's this word koinea. Literally means joint participation. It, it, it is it's the idea of not coming to the body simply thinking about your needs, but coming to the body thinking about the body's needs. Joint participation, koinia, this word fellowship actually is going to cost you something. In 2020, it's going to cost you time, koinia. It's going to cost you energy, 
koinia. It might cost you resources, koinia. It might cost you emotional uh, stress because you are bearing the burdens of one another, koinia. And what we've done is, unfortunately, my generation, we're very, con- we're consumerist Christians. Well, we come to the church and say, what does the church have for me? Do you have a prison ministry? Do you have child care? Do you, will you pay my rent? Will you, and after a while, and I'm, we get these type of questions. And I do believe that the church should help you, but there has to be koinia. It has to be joint participation. Because if you go to an ATM and keep tapping it, after a while, it's going to be depleted. But here's what you need to do. You need to take and you need to give. You need to take and you need to give. And that's exactly how the early church started. They were not consumeristic They moved into commonality. They moved into joint participation. And so the first thing that they devoted themselves to was the apostles teaching. Second thing was they devoted themselves to the fellowship or the koinia. Third thing they devoted themselves to was the breaking of bread. Now, see, my my mind went way too deep when I read that. When I read that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, I said, oh, that's cool. We do that every Sunday. They devoted themselves to communion. They devoted themselves to the sacraments and, 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 and remembering the Lord's table. But that's not what this means. When it says the breaking of bread, it's referring to it's so much pra- more practical and simple. It's referring to simply sharing a meal. Any verse that says spiritual growth comes from eating. I'm in. Yes. And amen. Sign me up for Christianity. You mean I can grow by simply just having lunch with somebody, another believer, Yes. And some of you, that's the deepest thing you can do in 2020 is have lunch with somebody, have dinner with somebody, somebody. And let me go so far as to say that don't look like you, somebody that you didn't come into the church with, someone that doesn't think like you, but get to know. And I I can promise you this, that one of the best ways to understand different cultures and different ethnicities is by getting around the table. It's getting in the kitchen. I can understand your culture more by understanding your, your, how, how you uh, eat. And I can understand your culture more by understanding the food in your culture. And that's one of the things I love about Epiphany Church is we are extremely diverse. I know we're mostly black and so uh, we, we lump everybody together. But, you know, under black is a whole bunch of different cultures and ethnicities. I love when we have Thanksgiving potluck here because you're going to get a little jollof Nigerian rice. You're going to get some Haitian rice, black rice, sapase, naboule. You're going to get uh, 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 some, some Jamaican uh, 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 rasta pasta. If you're African-American, y'all know we bringing yams and, and macaroni and cheese and a deck of cards because we're going to play spades. My white brothers and sisters will bring casserole and we'll enjoy all together and we'll understand each other a little bit more. It's, this is the fellow. This is breaking of bread. This is enjoying one another and understanding one another. My wife and I, when we were in Philly, we used to disciple this couple. It was an Asian couple. And I got to understand their culture better by they got in the we got in the kitchen together and they showed me how to make a dish and showed me how to make bok choy. And I didn't even know what bok choy was, but they showed me how to do it. And I pray in 2020, your 2020 will be filled with having meals together. Ain't nothing deep about that. Just enjoy Do you know how much discipleship happens over a meal? Do you know that? And you can understand someone so much better. Uh, Again, verse 46 will flesh this out a little bit more. Verse 46 says, and day by day, they broke bread in their homes. This is so important. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. 
They devoted themselves to the fellowship of the koinia, joint participation. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to eating a meal together. What else did they devote themselves to? Finally, they devoted themselves to the prayers. I love this because prayer here is plural, not singular. Do you you have an S on the end of your prayers? That means that they didn't devote themselves to praying at New Year's and didn't pray again in 2020. They were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. And there's nothing, uh, there's nothing more spiritually gratifying than getting around your brothers and sisters and simply praying. You ever walked in a corporate prayer and you were depleted, you were tired, you were agitated, and you heard somebody else pray and you gained strength? Do you know even Jesus committed himself to corporate prayer? John chapter 11, Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But before he does, he prays and he says, God, I know you hear me. We like this. You always hear me. This is the scriptures. He said, we like this. You always hear me. But I say this on account of those standing around that they may hear and believe. So Jesus said, I'm praying to you, not just because I want you to hear me, but I want everybody else to hear me around me. Because there's something that happens when we get around prayer and uh, around corporate prayer with our brothers and sisters, which is why at six o'clock in the morning, this room is going to be filled with people on their knees praying. We're going to pray from six to seven. We're going to start on time. We're going to end on time because I know y'all got work. And here's my hope and prayers that you would join us. Don't, 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 don't. I mean, call your boss and say, look, I got to be a little bit late because I got to go to prayer. I don't know if that's going to get you off the hook. Tell them you'll pray for them and get here because I, I promise you, man, there's something, something so deep that happens when we all get together and pray. And I pray that this would mark the rest of our year, that we would be devoted to the prayers as the early church was devoted to the prayers. There is nothing more unhealthy than a prayerless church. Nothing, nothing more because a prayerless church. See, prayer is just simply saying, God, I need you. But when you're prayerless, you're saying, God, I don't need you. I can do this without you. And churches have to be God needy. Churches have to look and realize I can't reach this neighborhood without heaven. I can't reach my neighborhood without God doing a work. I can't get that building without God shaking some things in the atmosphere. I need God. And that's what prayer shows you. It shows dependency. It shows that you are relying on God to work. And so the early church, they committed themselves to those four areas, which is going to be our commitment in 2020. We're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, devoting ourselves to the fellowship of koinia, devoting ourselves to the breaking of bread. Don't just, I know y'all going to devote yourselves to that one, breaking of bread, and devoting ourselves to the prayers. Verse 43 goes on and says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. You know what I love about this? I actually thought, in my mind, the way this made sense is actually reversed. I thought the verse would have read, and many wonders and signs were being done through the church, and awe came over the church. That makes sense. You're in awe over the the miracles that are happening in the church. But that's not how the text, that's not the flow of the verse. The verse says that the church was in awe before signs and wonders happened. In other words, before anybody was healed, the church had awe. Before anybody, the blind are still blind, the sick are still sick, the church has not done anything yet. All they have is awe. Where does the awe come from? 
Because when I first read this, I said, oh, that, that makes sense. They're in awe over what the apostles are doing. But no, 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 don't miss this. They are in awe over the gospel because that's the only thing that has happened up to now. Are you with me? In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a message filled with Jesus. He said, this is the Christ that you crucified. And he preaches Jesus. The Bible says in, 40, in verse 43 that they're in awe. They're not in awe over signs and wonders. They're in awe over the gospel. And I, that's the last point I'll make. Our church will move towards unhealth if we lose our awe over the gospel. I know you hear it every week. I get it. I know it sounds redundant. I know you got it down packed. You, you understand the gospel. Let's move on to something else. But there is nothing else. I'm a one trick pony. I ain't got tricks. I ain't got gimmicks for you. All I got in 2020 is Jesus and him alone. That's it. Because nothing else matters. Nothing else grows the church. You know, first Corinthians chapter 15, it says it this way, that the gospel is of first importance. Nothing's more important than it. And so as a church, we must commit ourselves to being in awe. Don't let the gospel become common. Don't let it become redundant. I personally am in awe over the fact that Jesus Christ living in heaven, being worshiped in heaven by angels, decided to come down and dwell amongst sinners. That brings me awe. I'm, I'm amazed that Jesus would go to a cross and take all of my sin. That does something to me. We were sitting here going, oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised him his life up from the grave. I don't know about you, but when I think of the debt of sin that I had and that Jesus canceled it. Do you realize that Jesus canceled every sin? If you've trusted in him, there is no debt that stands against you. Colossians chapter two says he took all of your debt and nailed it on a cross. That does something to your boy. I'm in awe over the fact that Jesus doesn't just die, but he got the power to raise up from the dead in three days. I'm in awe over the fact that one day he will come back for me just like he came the first time. That does something to me and my hope and my prayers that that would do something to you, that you would be in awe over the gospel, that it wouldn't become just that message. It's not just that message. It's everything. And the more you look at the beauty of Jesus, the more fleeting everything else is. I was talking to Ashton earlier. He just got a new iPhone. Praise God, because he had a crack right in the middle of the screen. And I was talking to him about his new iPhone. He got the three, uh, the three cameras, so he's like legit, legit. And I said, man, you, that's, that's dope. But you know that's going to be in your junk drawer in two years. We're going to move on to another device in a few years. And the reason is because life is fleeting. The things you care about now, you may not care about later. But Jesus is like he is always constant. He's always the same. And so we cannot lose our sense of awe over the gospel. Do you know what awe is? You know that feeling when, I don't know if you're a nature type of a person, but have you ever been to something that is like massive, like bigger than you? You have. <laughs> you ever been to like the Grand Canyon? You ever go up north to the Niagara Falls? Earlier this week when I was suffering for Jesus in Miami in 80 degree weather, uh, Ty, Ty got, got up early. It was like 5.45 in the morning. And she was like, oh, let's go watch the sunrise. And I was like, boo-boo, let's not do that. Let's just let's sleep a little bit. She's like, let's go watch the sunrise. And so we went down and we got into the jacuzzi because the jacuzzi like oversees the, 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 the ocean. And there's no smog in Miami. It's clean air. And I'm sitting in the jacuzzi at 5.45 and watching the sunrise. And I can't explain it besides there was a moment where I was like, I, I realized how small I was in that jacuzzi. 
Because I'm watching a sun literally, it looks like it's popping out of the ocean. And I was met with a sense of awe. But I'm not more amazed at the S-U-N that rose that day. I'm amazed at the S-O-N that rose. He, he brings me awe. He does something to my heart. And my prayer is that he would do something to your heart. That you would be so impacted by the gospel that you would go out and say, how can I apply this? How can I be gracious to somebody? How can I be more loving? How can I share my faith? And that is the goal for us in 2020. So we'd be a church that's committed to, this means I'm really wrapping up here. We'd be a church that's committed to breaking bread together, committed to the apostles' teaching, not my teaching, the apostles' teaching. Be a church that's committed to fellowship. Be a church that's committed to the prayers. And we'd be a church that's ultimately committed to being in awe over the gospel. What what we'll do with the remainder of our time, I literally have 22 minutes and 50, 49, 48, 47 seconds. So here's what we're going to do with the rest of our time. I'm simply going to point your attention to the screens and then walk you through our church's heart for 2020. So what we do on Vision Sunday every January is we look back well, first of all, we kind of lay a foundation for it so that you understand what we believe, our core values. And then we look back at 2019 and some things we think we did well and things that we did not do well. And then we'll move to 2020 and I'll lay uh, our elders heart uh, before you so that we can try to accomplish this thing. All right. Let me see if I can do this. I'm actually controlling this. So y'all bear with your boy. Skills. All right. Let me just keep clicking. Oh, hold up. All right, we're good. All right. Mission statement of our church. All right. Our church, uh, this is our mission statement. You might have heard this a few times. We exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. There's so much packed into that one sentence. Um, I'll point out two. The first one is that it's his mission, not our mission. I've said it before. Epiphany Church doesn't have a mission. God has a mission and Epiphany Church is a part of that mission. That's the way this thing works. You know, I love that it's his mission because that helps us to realize that we're not some new phenomenon and we didn't swoop in here in 2015 to save Brooklyn. That's not God has been doing a work before Epiphany and he's so dope. He's going to keep doing a work without Epiphany. Like God, God is not held in bondage by Epiphany accomplishing the mission. He's like, no, I got a big mission and I got a small church that's going to do a little bit of work in Brooklyn. And that's our heart is to join Jesus and what he has been doing. There are some faithful churches in this neighborhood. There are some faithful churches in Brooklyn. And my hope is not to be the church that's cool with cut up jeans and coffee and think that we're something special. No, we're just joining Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. The second thing I just want to point out quickly is city renewal, redeeming the city. That, that's not just conversions. That's we want to seek holistic health of Brooklyn. We want the schools to thrive. We want the abortion rate to come down. Do you know the abortion rate in Bed-Stuy amongst African-American women is 44%? We want that to come down. And we believe that the church has impact. We believe the church can, can, can offer something to the community that nobody else can. So we want to see that come down. We, there's so much more. We, we want to make impact on local businesses. I pray that our local businesses wouldn't move to the suburbs because they don't want graffiti on their, great, on their, on their, on their gate, but they'll stay here and, and thrive and do well because you're supporting local businesses. That, that, that city renewal. That's Jeremiah 29. Seek the welfare of the city because in its welfare, you'll find your own. 
That's what Jeremiah 29 says. So uh, it doesn't matter if the business is, is a, a believer owned business. No, support it because it's your city. So our mission statement, we exist to join Jesus, his mission to redeem our city. I can get stuck. I got to keep moving. Core values. We believe in Christ centeredness. We don't believe that Jesus is first. He's central. He's everything. We believe in community. We believe in commitment, commitment to one another, commitment to God. We believe in culturally relevant ministry. In other words, do you know how many people walk into our services straight off the street? They didn't plan to come. They saw somebody outside that invited them in. They saw the sign and they said, you know what? Let me just go in and people walk right in. What I love is that they don't get culture shock when they come in. They come in and they look at people around. They go, you know what? They look like people that I would have brunch with. They look like regular people. And then they come in and they hear a gospel and they hear a presentation that is relevant to where they live. Then they hear music that is relevant to where they live. And so cultural relevancy is important for our church. It's one of our core values. Finally, conversions. We believe uh, that the church should be built on people meeting Jesus, blinded eyes being open to the beauty of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be dope if 2020 was filled with a bunch of conversions happening in Brooklyn because, Beth, because Epiphany Church was here? Do you know how many churches grow off of transferred growth? I did the work for you. 70% of churches in America grow because one person left one church and went to another. In other words, we're, we're, we're swapping. We're, believers are just swapping churches instead of lost people being converted to Jesus. That's the goal. Like, and I get it. Sometimes it makes sense. You know, you leave one church, and you come to it. That, I get that. That does make sense sometimes. But my prayer in 2020 is that we would grow not by transferred growth, but by conversions. People that you discipled, that you shared the gospel with, that you had coffee with, met Jesus, joined into the church. That's the goal. Conversions. Y'all with me or y'all taking notes because y'all quiet. Y'all just be leaving me out there. All right, hang on. All right. All right. Our target area, Bedford-Stuyvesant is our target area. We'll call it Bed-Stuy, do or die, or do or die Bed-Stuy, um, in the surrounding neighborhood. So in other words, we want to do ministry. We want to open our doors and be able to do ministry right here in Bed-Stuy. Um, but we also are just as passionate about Crown Heights and Flatbush and downtown Brooklyn. We, we are passionate about Bushwick. We're passionate about other areas because we believe that we're not just Epiphany Church Bed-Stuy, but Epiphany Church Brooklyn. We, we want to be a regional church that reaches the neighborhood, uh, reaches Brooklyn, but we do so by making impact in this neighborhood. Here's a little breakdown for you. Population of Bed-Stuy is 155,000 people. Consider that for a second. Bed-Stuy ain't big. It is 2.7 square miles. Take 155 people, put them in 2.7 square miles like that. We're literally living on top of each other, which is dope because if you take the train one stop to Utica, you might have passed 20 to 30,000 people. That's crazy. And you got to look at that from a redeemed perspective. How can I how can I engage people that I'm passing every day? And Jesus was so dope because when Jesus engaged people, it typically wasn't by appointment. It typically was as he was walking to the next town, he engaged people. And that's my prayer for Bed-Stuy with 155,000 people. I'll do this quick. Ethnic makeup, 65% black, 20% Hispanic, 11% white. 
uh, 2% Asian, 2% other. The reason I put these stats up, because that's what the church should look like. If that's our neighborhood, then the church should reflect the demographics of our neighborhood. All right. Population by age. Uh, teenagers, 0 to 17, make up 25% of bed -Stuy. 18 to 24, make up 12%. 20, uh, 25 to 44, make up 32%. Let me just say this really quickly. If you look at the last two, so do 18 to 44, that is 44% of the population. Now, here's what's amazing. That that is the, it's classified as the hardest uh, age group to reach. But if you look around the room, that's the age group that's in this church, which is not strategy, but Matthew 16, Jesus, I'll build my church. That, that's all that's happening. But we as a church have to do better with zero to 17. We got to do more with teenagers. We, we got we to gotta have be able to make impact with our teenagers because, you know, we focus on millennials, but you do realize that Generation Z is coming right up. That's right after millennials. They, the, the babies, the toddlers, the, my, my, young, my youngest son is a Generation Z. We got to be able to engage them. Why? Because they'll be running corporate America soon. They'll be running the church soon. They'll be the politicians soon. And so if we do generational discipleship well, we should be able to impact those teenagers because they're going to impact future generations. And that's the goal. Now, we don't want to reach the younger folk at the expense of 45 up. In fact, I pray for more uh, salt and pepper in the church. It's something so good about having the wisdom run around. There's some stuff you just got to live through. You, you need, you need a, what we need is just one old mean lady. I'm not joking. Mean lady just to tell you off. But she loves Jesus and you'll love Jesus more because of her. You, you just, you need, we had, when I was growing up, we had that, that one old lady. She in her pocketbook, she had mints. Y'all don't know nothing about this. She had a sewing kit in that pocketbook. She, I mean, anything you needed, she pulled it out that pocketbook. We had one old deacon, uh, 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 I forget, forget his name, this old man, he used to wear gloves every Sunday, he had the, the deacon badge on, and I promise you, every Sunday they would march in the service like this, y'all don't know nothing about that. We need that, we need, but you know why Titus 2 says it this way, older men teach younger men. Older women teach younger women. And so it's something healthy about a church that is diverse in age as well. So yes, we want to reach... 44 and down, that, that just seems to be our sweet spot. But I pray that we would see more older saints come into the church and invest their life into pouring into the next generation. And praise God for that, man. We, we need that. All right. 2019 highlights. I'll move quick. We added a pastor, Pastor Timmy. Amen. Let's thank God for Pastor Timmy. Y'all see how cute they are today? Can y'all stand up, please? Can y'all stand up, please? Come on. Let's thank God. Look at the cute couple. Cut-ups and hoodies. <laughs> we thank God for, um, for Pastor Timmy. He's amazing. You know, we as a church believe in uh, shared leadership. It is not healthy for me to make all decisions. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for you. The Proverbs 15 will say it this way. With many advisors, plans succeed. So you need a multitude of counsel uh, that helps to direct the church. And so I, I don't own authority in the church. It, it, Jesus has uh, the full authority and he's given us under shepherds with, his, with your pastors. So I thank God for Pastor Timmy. 
We added Lameek to the staff. Man, let's thank God. Amen. Lameek is uh, our administrator slash creative director. Um, she, she does a lot. Our staff, we believe that you have to be ambidextrous. We're too small of a staff for one person to just, just do one thing. You got to do multiple things in order to work here because there's multiple things that are needed on a constant basis. So we're grateful for Lameek. When you guys see her, make sure y'all love on her. She does a lot that y'all don't know just to make sure that y'all are comfortable and make sure that y'all are receiving the word. So we, we're grateful for her. We added Ed to the staff as well. So cool. Ed is our project manager. Uh, he, he's ambidextrous as well, but he focuses solely on, well, not solely, but he focuses a lot of his time on project management. In other words, his project is getting us out of this space and into a new one. So if y'all think about praying, y'all need to be praying for him. He's working with the lawyers, the expediters, the DOB. Uh, he's going to be working with the contractors to renovate the space. But he, he's the guy that is supposed to help us transition out of this one into a new one. So keep him in prayer. And Gabe is still on staff. Amen. Gabe is our operations manager. He's been on staff since... Uh, 2015, since the inception, 2016, 2016, he's been on staff and it's just been him and I, he's been the only staff and, you know, every year he's received employee of the year because he's the only staff, <laughs> not because he's killing it, he's the only staff. So by default, we just got to give it to him. But he has some competition over the next few years because we have other staff. But I'm grateful for Gabe. Again, someone that does a lot that's behind the scenes that you just don't even know about. And so just keep him in prayer. Thank him for all of his service and having his hand to the plow as well. 2019, we added a prayer team. Um, and some of you on it. Anybody on the prayer team? Hey Amen. We can thank God. Anybody here on the prayer team? Not in this service? Okay, a couple back there. So Io uh, is over our prayer team. She's been um, amazing. What, what you see on Sundays is typically we'll have people up here to pray for your needs, but our prayer team actually does much more than that. They, they actually pray for the church every single day. There's somebody assigned every week that prays for the church. And when you write down prayer requests on those cards, the elders and our prayer team has access to making sure they're praying for those. And so uh, just keep our prayer team in, in your prayers. As we consider um, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the prayers. Our prayer team helps to, to move that forward for us. All right, 2019 highlight, we changed to how we do small groups a little bit. So we were before, we didn't, have a, we didn't have an end date to our small groups. They just ran and went on and on. And we started to sense burnout between the host and our small group leaders. By the way, praise God for our host and our small group leaders as well. If you don't know what a small group is, and those of you who were hosts and small group leaders, uh, what? You know, if you don't know what small groups is, it's literally once a week we were we are getting into someone's house and, and, and that person is allowing you to drag your entire life into their house, mess up their carpet and, and eat food and all. And, you know, it's a lot. You imagine hosting every single week a group of people in your house. And that's what our small group leaders did uh, and are doing. But we've changed how we do it. We now have cycles. And so three times a year. Is it three or four? Three times a year, we do six to eight week cycles, and it's specific on a topic. So in 2019, uh, we did Emotional Healthy Spirituality, which is a book by a guy by the name of Peter Scazzaro. 
And then uh, Unleash, my pastor wrote a book called Unleash, Dr. Eric Mason. And so our small groups went through those and went through a curriculum on those for six to eight weeks. And then they're off and they just take a break and then they pick back up later. So if you haven't plugged into a small group, 2020 is the year to do that. We had 12 baptisms last year. I actually have been praying since the top of this year that um, we would not just double, but blow that out the water. No pun intended with water, but just like seriously, my, my hope and my prayer have been that baptisms would start to become a nuisance, that we would have to keep setting up going, oh my God, somebody else gave their life to the Lord and keep setting up. And after a while, we just have no more water because we keep baptizing. That's my prayer. My, my, and that should be your prayer, that conversions are happening so quickly that we don't have enough water to put into the pool. How amazing would that be? And that's, again, conversions, it's building the church off of people, meeting Jesus. We started the book of Romans. Um, for those of you who are new to our church, we go through books of the Bible, literally um, verse by verse and line by line. Sometimes it takes us a year and over a year to do it. Uh, this is our fifth book we've gone through. Fifth, we went through Colossians, Jonah, First Peter, Habakkuk, when nobody even knew how to say Habakkuk, and uh, then the book of Romans. Uh, we are picking Romans back up in February. Okay, we stopped, we took a break after chapter seven just because it was a lot. We're going to jump back into it in chapter eight. Uh, please be praying. Chapter nine is rocky. It's hard. That's a hard chapter. Uh, and so uh, be praying for that. We're going to put the letters back up. And we're going to jump back into it. Um, that's probably going to take us, by the way, to the end of the year. So this may be the only book we jump into this year. Highlights, three-year anniversary last year. We did a little remake of uh, the movie Joyful, Joyful, uh, the, the song Sister Act 2. It's not the movie Joyful, Joyful. Sister Act 2, Joyful, Joyful was the song. If you haven't seen it, you should YouTube it. Your boy made a, a rapping debut in it. If you want a selfie after church, you know, I might give you a selfie. I'm not sure. Um, this year, we're going to do something different. I don't have a lot of time to unpack it. But last year, we, we just we turned up. We celebrated. But this year, we're actually going to focus on outreach in the community. And so for our four years, we're going to do something um, called a PIF for Brooklyn. And so we'll pick four different areas to invest in city renewal. So we'll invest in local businesses and schools, and we're going to do it in a real creative way. So keep your eye out for how we're going to um, celebrate our fourth uh, year anniversary in March. I think it's the last Sunday in March. All right, we, we, uh, we introduced something to you guys called a Piffery Wine last year. If you weren't here for it, you need to be here next week. Like, this is just one of those things where you just... If you have plans, you cancel your plans and you show up at a Piffery Wine. It's that dope. It's that amazing. And really, we just reverse the service. I preach at the very top of the service and then we flow into uh, worship and um, that we set up the space differently and we just like really enjoy Jesus through music. And, and so uh, Piffery Wine, we'll do, we'll do it quarterly this year. We'll do it four times this year, starting with next week. So please be here next week on time. We're going to do it in all three services. Um, we maintain three services, averaging an attendance of 295 people. Amen. I'm tired. Y'all wasn't going to clap on that. I was going to be like, I'm tired now. <laughs> Preaching three services is a lot, but not just for me. Our volunteers, like, praise God for volunteers. They usually get here at 830 in the morning and don't leave till three. 
That's a full day. And they're, they're doing that because they love the church. Um, so I'm grateful for them. But maintaining three services, I do look forward to the day where we can find a larger space and get back to one. Somebody should say amen right there. All right. Highlights uh, 102 volunteers. In 2019, we had 102 volunteers across all ministries. That means 35% of the church served in some capacity. Now, that's actually up from last year. Last year was 33%. We moved up 2%. And it's great, but if we're really going to enter into koinia, joint participation, that needs to go from 35 to 50. We need half the church serving in some capacity. Some of y'all got some amazing giftings. And you have great ideas and you have some entrepreneurial skills. We need help here at the church. And I think I said it in this service. I'm not sure. But, you know, one of the great tragedies is, you know, millennials usually give the world the best them and the church the leftovers. My, my hope is that we can change that. Where we, we would give God our best and, and the church would get the leftovers or the world would get the leftovers. That's that's my hope and prayer. All right. Average attendance. I'm almost done, by the way, y'all. Average attendance. In 2017, we averaged 192 adults and 16 kids. Uh, you married folk just got busy because in 2018, we had a 75% increase in our kids, 42% increase in our adults. We were averaging 172 adults and 28 kids. 2019, last year, look at the increase. We had an 8% increase in adults, uh, averaging 295, and a 4% increase in our kids, averaging 20. Uh, 29 kids on a Sunday. Now, I think what happens is because we're spread out through three services, it is really hard to keep up with the percentage growth year over year because we have no more space. Do y'all know that there are times people come to the door, look in and see no seats and leave? Like That hurts my heart. And this is why we're doing a spread love campaign because we desperately need to get out of this space. If you look around, uh, third service has got a few seats. Second service has no seats. First service has no seats. And so therefore, in order to keep up with what God is doing, the answer is not a fourth service. Oh, I need somebody to say amen. I just can't do a fourth service. Like, um, and so the answer is a larger facility. And, and again, what we need is you to give towards that, but we also need heaven to move on our behalf. And I just think that this is the year that God is going to do something with space. I do. I don't know why, but I felt I'm not being prophetic. I just I really feel like this is the year. So pray to that end as well. All right. So that was 2019 vision for 2020. Add three more deacons. Do I have it up? Nope. Add three more deacons to the church. Uh, we currently have seven deacons. Uh, we had eight, but one was disobedient and moved to Delaware. Uh, and, and so we, uh, I'm joking. I'm not joking. Um, we, we need to add three more deacons to, uh, to the church. We need to grow in outreach. I think this is the moment where um, uh, uh, Pastor Tim and I really need to repent to the church. Uh, and the reason we need to repent is because I believe that in 2019, we didn't do enough in outreach. And the reason we didn't do enough in outreach is because we were so focused on a building. We were so focused. We got in a deal and we were working hard and we were like, oh, we'll do all of that when we get into the new space. And then the deal fell through. I told you guys that a few weeks ago. And I think what happened is when I look back, I really need to repent because the church should be about outreach. Talking city renewal, we're talking evangelism, we're talking about people getting connected to Jesus, and outreach is the way to do that. And so this year, we're going to have a hyper focus on outreach. We're going to do more 
2018, we did free haircuts and park parties and uh, book bag giveaways and free screenings for kids to go back to school. And we gave out fresh produce. We did all of these things in 2019. We fell off, but that's our fault, not yours. So uh, we'll do more in outreach. We'll grow in our discipleship. That's our, our goal. Strengthen our men. Um, the reason I didn't put our women is because if you were here a few weeks ago when I preached on 1 Corinthians 16 uh, about act like men, uh, we need to have a better foot. Men are, are, are under-engaged. And it's, um, I, I just believe that if we, can, if we can reach our men, like when I go down, I don't go, but if you go to the mosque, it's filled with men. Filled with men. What is Christianity doing that is full of women and no men? So we, and some of y'all singles need to say amen right there. We need, we need healthy men that are growing in their commitment to the gospel, growing as, um, and just naturally growing, understanding what debt looks like and what stewardship of resources look like and understanding what purity looks like. And so we'll do more uh, to strengthen our men this year, strengthen our community. How will we do that? We'll teach you guys and, and walk through what DNA groups look like, what small groups look like. Wednesday night prayer and Bible study. These are three ways that we really do community outside of Sunday morning. 2020 will continue to raise our spread love resources throughout December. So our capital campaigns run all, runs all the way to the end of December. We started in um, November of 2018 and it was a two year campaign, really two years in one month because you want to capitalize on uh, December's giving. And so we'll run it all the way through December. Again, 100% of that spread love money is going towards uh, the building. Find a larger facility in 2020. And Epiphany Ryan, I already said that we'll do quarterly services. I'm going to run through this real quick. We want to introduce something in 2020 called Equipped. Uh, many of you ask for different ways that you can be engaged and you can learn more. How do I share my faith? You know, uh, so Equipped will be a way to develop believers in various areas. So in other words, on a, on a Saturday, we'll, we'll probably, probably a Saturday, we'll get together and um, you'll, we'll have interactive training on these, these areas. What is gospel fluency? How do I share my faith? Many of you know the gospel, you just struggle with sharing it. If I can be honest with y'all, can, can I be real with y'all? This is not going on the podcast, so I'm gonna just, just here. I find it easier to share the gospel in a public setting like this than I do one-on-one. I, I do. I mean, when, when I'm with my family members, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awkward. And so what is, how do we share our faith in a way that it doesn't feel awkward and you can hit the points? And by the way, God can use your scraps. So share it even if you don't have training. Um, but uh, gospel fluency, we want to we develop you in how to share your faith. DNA mixers. Many of you don't know what DNA is. Discipleship, nurture, accountability. We'll spend some time training on that. And eventually these will grow into um, conferences, by the way. The power of prayer. As we talk about the early church devoting themselves to prayer. What does it mean? What is prayer? What is the posture of prayer? You know, should prayer just be requests and petitions or do I there? Does there need to be a time where I just thank God and walk away from the prayer? We'll, we'll talk about uh, that throughout 2020. And then Sex Rewired uh, will fall underneath of Equipped. We'll do another Sex Rewired this year. If you weren't here for it, it's explicit. We don't hold back. We talk about God's original plan for sexuality um, and talk about how it's, it wasn't perverted. It was, it was a beautiful thing when he created it. 
And so uh, we'll, we'll do another sex rewired. All right, I got two more slides and I'm done. All right, finances. Uh, we like to give you an update on finances uh, once a year. So here it is. Uh, in 2019, our, our projected goal. So, so this is not what we raised. This is what we wanted to raise. And in 2019, our hope as a church was by your own generosity, we wanted to raise 450000 uh, And I'm excited to announce that in 2019, we actually raised 649000 Amen. That's nothing but God's grace using your generous heart uh, to give towards the church. By the way, that 649000 is our spread love and our general tithes and offerings. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Up today, we, we, uh, we've raised $404,000 for Spread Love, the building campaign. In other words, that wasn't just in 2019. That was 2018 and 2019. We're up to $404,000 for just the uh, building campaign, which I'm telling you, when I walk in these meetings with these, with these developers, I just walk in with a little bit more swag when you got that type of money in the bank ready to be used for buildings. Amen? Continue to give, continue to give so that um, we can be good stewards over uh, God's resources. By the way, I don't have, just so you know, you're giving to a secure place. I don't have the authority to just be writing checks. I don't do that. In fact, I don't even write checks. Um, there's a, there's a, a process and there's um, a lot of accountability tied to how we do resources. If you've gone to a church that abused giving in any way and you're like hesitant with it, I get it. You don't want to give because of that. I get it. I understand that. Uh, but if, you, if you're hesitant, but you're like, maybe I can here, this is a, a, a safe place to do so. We've been audited by the IRS twice. And neither time I was nervous. Neither time I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to look at our books. No, they look at our books and we lay them out because we're that tight with our resources. So when you give, just know it's a secure place. Also, when you give, man, this should help you to rejoice right here. 11% of your giving goes back out. 11%. And so we've given away to other missions, to to other churches for mission, $58,000 last year. Like we, that's another staff member. That's securing another. We didn't put this toward the campaign. We said, no, if you guys are going to practice generosity, then so is the church. So 11% of our internal giving has gone back out uh, to support churches around the world. All right, let me give you 2020 and then we'll end here. Here's our goal every year. I want to give you a goal to strive for. I'm hoping that just with general ties and offering, not spread love, we could raise $600,000. Again, it will be stewarded well, but I, and I think this is attainable. So let's blow this out the water like we did last year. Um, we will still be giving 11% away, but we're changing where it will be going. So in other words, 11% of your giving went solely to planting churches. But this year, uh, Pastor Timmy and I thought it would be a good idea to give 9% away to planting churches and reserve two to be redirected for city renewal. So in other words, 11% of your money was going to help, literally to help churches in Cape Town, South Africa, Paris. Uh, uh, we opened up a church in Long Island. Uh, not we, but the churches, uh, the networks we're a part of. But now we're holding back 2%. So that 2% goes directly into bed So when you consider the local businesses around here and the schools, your money will at least 2% will be going towards city renewal. Does that make sense? All right. That's the best I got. That's all I got. Uh, Praise God for you guys. Can we thank God for the vision?